Okay, let's begin our discussion of Parshas Kisisa. Parshas Kisisa, Parshas Para. Um, this week's, this Shabbos, I wanted to mention this Shabbos afternoon, this Parshas year will be on Parshas Para and Tameh HaMitzvos. So I'm not going to really touch on that tonight. Maybe I'll leave, I'll leave at the end with a question to uh, whet the appetites and uh, I'll maybe quote where the answer is, those who are listening online who uh, can't make it to Beit Shemesh this Shabbos, but uh, maybe at the end. But we will focus our attention um, on Parshas Kisisa. We know the name of the Parsha is in the, the beautiful new uh, set of Divrei uh, Torah from the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the, the Gutnik edition. So at the beginning of every Parsha, it has a thought on the name of the Parsha. How the name of the Parsha reflects the content of that Parsha. And the Lubavitcher Rebbe asks the simple question, Kisisa. Kisisa is about the first uh, few psukim discuss the counting of Am Yisrael, of the Machzah Shekel. We read it a couple of weeks ago, Parsha Shkalim. But literally, Kisisa means when you raise up. We raise up the Jews by counting them. But Kisisa means raising up. So isn't it ironic that the Parsha that Bnei Yisrael reach the depths of its existence. The Parsha, where they commit one of the most heinous crimes in the history of the world, the Chet HaEgel, Chai Yisrael, dance around the golden calf, that's the Parsha that's called Kisisa. That's the Parsha that were raised up. That's Kisisa. So what, what exactly is the message? By the way, as we mentioned, as many mentioned, that is why the first this, this Aliyah is so weighted that the first two Aliyos are huge and the last five Aliyos are tiny. Why? Why don't you just even it out? They couldn't figure out how to make it more even. So the Bali Jewish say, because the uh, Yisrael cannot have the Aliyah of the Egel, because he committed the crime. So we have to make sure that a coin and a levy get the entire uh, story of the Egel. The Egel is in the second Aliyah. So that's why you, gotta, you have to stretch the first two Aliyahs. So a coin and a levy could get the first two, and then Shlishi, okay, that starts after the Egel, and uh, nobody can be incriminated. So that is why the um, the Elias are as they are. But, ask the Lubavitcher Rebbe, why is the Parsha called Kisisa? Says the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Really, the Parsha is not just about the Egel, the Chet. But, as we know, the Parsha is about the Yerida with the Chet and the Aliyah from the Chet. That's what the Parsha is about. Before we finish Shani, we already have reconciliation. We already have the Yudgimomidos. We already have the Nechama that we are back Close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Says in the second column, we have revelation. God gives Moshe the divinely inscribed first set of Luchos. Rebellion, the golden calf, and reconciliation. By Moshe for the sin on behalf of the Jewish people, Moshe Rabbeinu goes up for the three sets of 40 times, 40, 40, 40, ultimately getting the second Luchos on Yom Kippur. But that's where it ends. These th- the end the bottom right. These three phrases are each crucial parts of a larger whole. Thus, even the middle stage of rebellion was ultimately intended by God as a precursor to the reconciliation that was to follow. This also explains why the whole of our parsha is called Kisisa. You raise up the Jews because you know what Jews are about. Jews are about stumbling and getting up. Jews are about Kisisa. For even the darkest moments of Jewish history have been orchestrated by God as a pathway to the to the uh, redemption when the ultimate raising of the heads will take place. So that is why it's called Kisisa. Because we're about going down and eventually then going up. The same thought we might have mentioned elsewhere, but I'll mention it now, is said by the Shemana Tov or by Weinberger in Parsha's Bracious. 
the end of Parshas Gracious, we have the not-so-famous Pasuk, Zeh Sefer Tordos HaAdam. This is the Sefer of the, of the Tordos, the generations of man. Why is, this not, why is this not such a famous Pasuk? And why do I emphasize that? Because of the Medrash. The Medrash tells us, he quotes it, that, the third line, that's the greatest cloud. That's an amazing cloud in the Torah. Vialze Hosef Benazai, Benazai says, no, no, no. Zeh Sefer told us Adam, that's an even greater, greater Pasuk. If we would have been given the top 100 Psukim in the Torah, we probably would not have picked Zeh Sefer told us Adam. So what exactly is the message of that Pasuk and what is Benazai saying? Oh, that's, a, that's an amazing Pasuk. Even compared to Vyatlo Recha Kamocha, that's an amazing Pasuk. Says the Shemenatov. Line 5. This Pasuk comes after the story of Cain and Hevel. Cain's sin. Cain, depending on your Pshat, tries to do Tshuva. After HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives Adam another son. After Adam and Chava. After Cain and Hevel. Zeh Sefer told us HaAdam. You know what the message is? This is what life's about. Life's about having Eridos and then having Elios. Going down sometimes. Chataim, but coming back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu after the Chait. V'yimkein ba'akazalolamdeinu. This is Sefer told us HaAdam. Av kishu kvar nichshah b'chei gadol kazeh. Even after a great sin, come over tzicha shalkayin. V'chein cheto shaladam harishon. Even after these great sins, Kayin tries to do tshuva, according to many. But it's Pasher and Kono. Ubana ir al shem benochanoch. V'chein adam harishon. And Adam does tshuva. And therefore it comes along the Torah. It says, Zeh Sefer told us HaAdam. Sha'al HaAdam. Lo lehisyayish lagamri lahaschal mechadash. Don't think you have to start again. Don't think it's all they do. This is life. Nobody's perfect in life. There were four people perfect in, in history, but that's it. Besides those four, besides Amram and Binyamin and Kilav and Yishai, nobody else. So besides that, we all have Yeridos. We all have Nephilos. But the godless of a Jew is Kisisa. Even the Parsha of the Chet Egel is called Kisisa because the Jew gets up. The Zeh Sefer told us Ha'ad. Finally, related to this, it's a famous letter of a Futner. Source number three in Yeras Uksavim, where a Talmud writes to a footner, you don't have the question, but you can see what the question is from the answer. The question was obviously a Talmud writes, Rebbe, there's so many things I have to work on, there are so many things that I have difficulty with. I have trouble with my Lashon Hara, I have trouble with my Bittal Torah, I have trouble. Why can't I be like the Gadol Adar of so and so? Why can't I be like him? He's so easy, he's perfect. Right, he was—he was—he had a yarmulke on when he was born. You know, was, you know, was making. You know, why can't I be like him? Why can't I be like him? That was the Talmud's question. Why can't I be like it says in the Gedolim book? Says Rav Hutner. Michtavcha higi aliadi, vidvarech higi lilvavi. I got your letter and your words go to my heart. Dalacha chavivi, you should know. Ki etzem michtavcha misnagedhu l'chol hatiurim hanimseimbo. Your letter itself goes against everything that you describe. What do I mean? Let me explain. Let me explain that your letter goes against all the descriptions found in it. There is a deep sickness 
in our world, says Rav Hutner. When we discuss how great our rabbis were, how great our Gdoli Hadar were, we only focus on the results. We focus on what they achieved. We focus on their accomplishments. That's what we do. How many times did he learn through Shas? How many times? How, how perfect he was with Shlomo Zalman every time he had to deal with somebody else? We focus on the Totsah. But we skip. We don't focus on the inner struggles that each of them for sure also had. When we talk about the Gedolim, they were born perfect. At three years old, they were ready. They were born perfect. We lift them up. The Chavetz Chaim never said a bad word in his life. And only Rav Hutner can say the next line. Avomiyodeya, who knows? Menach, kohamilchamos, all the inner battles, hamaavakim, the struggles, hamichsholim, hanefilos. Who knows how many times the Chavetz Chaim stumbled? Vahanesigos laachar, and when he went backwards, shematza hachavetz Chaim b'derech hamilchama shalom eyetzahara. We have no idea how much the Chavetz Chaim struggled with his Yitzhahara. How much he wanted to say Lashon Hara. Mashal Elef. And this is just one out of a thousand. Vidailun Avonsha Kamoscha. You, my, my dear student, smart one like you, La Dunmin Aprada Laklal. You should, you should realize. Rav Hutner says that everybody has Nephilos. But what made him the Chavetz Chaim is that he was Kisisa. He conquered the Nephilos. And he raised himself up after those nephilos. He can, you know what you get from the from any book, any story that says that somebody didn't even have a struggle? Kishenar bal ruach bal sheifa. You have a young child, somebody who has yearnings. Bal tesisa mosi ba'atzmo mechsholim nephilos yiridos. Somebody sees that they they've misstepped. Harayudome be'enav kibilti shatul be'vet Hashem. Forget it. I'm never going to be like him. It's worthless. I'm never going to reach that level. Says Rav Hunar, we are doing ourselves a disservice if we publish a biography of a Gadol and say that he was perfect from day one. That's, that's a disservice because that's just going to cause Yeush to occur in so many of our hearts. So we have to make sure that we talk about their greatness and we talk about what they achieved. But we have to make sure that they were human beings also. And we talk about their faults. And we talk about mm-hmm. things that they might have done earlier. Right, we can't we can't rewrite history. That's not fair to them, and that's not fair to us. There were nephilos, and we all will have. And he continues even the next page, top of the page. Avodalacha chavivi, sheshorish nishmascha hu lo ashalva shalayetzer tov. The goal of a Jew is not to have the shalva, the the uh, calmness and the serenity. Of a Yetzer Tov, Eladafka Melchamto Shal Yetzer Tov. A war with our Yetzer Tov. And he writes, Ba'anglit Omrim. Right, he, right? He, was, he was a rough in Brooklyn. Lose a battle. 
and win a war. Right? Sometimes we lose. Sometimes we, we stumble. We'll miss it. But in the larger picture, we have to overcome. That's Kisisa. That's Sefer Toldos Adam, And that's Rav Hutner. Even the Chafetz Chaim had Nephilos. But he overcame and that's what made him great. Good. Continuing the Parsha, again, the first Aliyah has many little discussions. Matzah Zashekel, the Kior, the Samim, and the Mishkan again is built, and the end of the Aliyah, end of Rishon, has Shabbos. Discussion of Shabbos. Shabbos is described there. Ravishamru is here. And Shabbos is described in the previous Pasuk, in Paraklam and Aleph. Pasuk Tesvav, Sheishes Yamim Yehoseh Melacha, Uvayam Ashvi, Shabbos Shabbason. Kodesh Lashem. Right, some say that, oh, Yom Kippur Shabbos Shabbason. Shabbos is also Shabbos Shabbason. Right here, Shabbos is called Shabbos Shabbason. Right, it's a double Lashon. What exactly is Shabbos Shabbason? What does that mean? Rest of a rest, Shabbos Shabbason, says Rashi, Menuchas Margoa, Velo Menuchas Arai. A resting of Ragua, a real resting, not a temporary awry resting. What is Rashi driving at? So last year we discussed Aksava Kabbalah. Feel free to look at that beautiful thought again. But this year we'll go to Rav Sternbach in source number five. Rav Sternbach writes, what does it mean? Menuchas Margoa, Velo Menuchas Arai, the so Nir'eh, She'ena Menucha, Kiderach Ha'amelim, Asher Heimnachim Yimalachtam L'Shah, Minucha Shabbos doesn't mean, oh, um, I was hard working, so now I'm taking a rest. I'm taking a lunch break. That's not the, that's not Shabbos. <coughs> Shabbos is not a break. I'm stopping. I am ceasing what I was doing. I'm really doing work. I'm doing my six days of the week, and I'm stopping from that. And I can't wait to get back to what I was doing. Right? That, that's not Shabbos. That's, that's Minuchas Arai. Where the menucha is arai and the, everything around the menucha is keva. That's not what Shabbos is. Ella, zu menuchas margoa, asher mosef kedusha b'ha'adam, umashpesk mikdushasa, l'sheshis yimei hamase. It's not that Shabbos is a break from the other six days. We're going, 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 stop, take a break. Going, 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 stop, take a break. No, it's just the opposite. Shabbos is the ikker. Shabbos is the kfiyas. I, 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 I get spiritually invigorated on Shabbos, which helps me get through the rest of the week. That's what Shabbos is. That's a menuchas margoa, menuchas anefesh. We shouldn't, we can't translate it as rest. What's rest? Rest is, is, means resting from something. No, but this is resting for something. So rest really isn't a good translation. It's Shabbos. Shabbos Shabbason. Shabbos Mikadeshes as Kol Hayamim. Lihiyosa Bebechinas Yon Kimin Ashabbos. The whole week derives its, its, um, sustenance, its spiritual sustenance. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Previous. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. My Talmudim already may speak at Shabbos on Wednesday, right? Why? Because we say the Chodoran on that Wednesday morning. We're already looking forward to the next Shabbos. Maybe they're just waiting for Parsha Shir. I don't know. Pierce Rashi. Shmiras Kudushasulishmi. Right, so that's Shabbos Shabbason. Shabbos Shabbason means a Shabbos, that, a day of rest, that is Menuchas Margoa. A couple of months ago, Rav Nevenzal came out, Tamidah came out with a Sefer all on Shabbos. All on Shabbos. First part is uh, Drushas on Shabbos, then he has Pshatim on uh, Zmiras, 
and davening on Shabbos, and then he has chidushim on Mesech Shabbos in the Gemara. So in one of those drushes, we could use that sefer on Parshas Brachus, Parshas Kisisa, Vayakel. So just uh, did a thought, so I thought I'd use it uh, now. Terms of Nevin's I'll source number six, going over to number seven. So what are we doing when we rest on Shabbos? This menuchas margoa. So what are we what are we representing with our behavior? What are we doing? So two points he has. First, a fascinating idea. I didn't give you the beginning of it, but Rabbi Nevenzal, he says, first he quotes the historians, philo- um, philosophers, archaeologists, who ask the question, how could it be that the world was created according to the Jews, 5,770 years? How could it be that God did it so, so quickly? How could it be the dinosaurs are millions of years old? How could it be God did it so quickly? Says of Nevenzal, he'll get to that question in a minute, but says of Nevenzal, Chazal is just the opposite question. Just the opposite question, right? They ask, how, uh, how could he do it so quickly? We ask, Chazal ask, why did God do it so slowly? The world was created with ten mamarim. Hashem utter, uttered ten utterances. And Kaviyachol, that created the world. Right? Hashem could have done it quicker. That's slower, like they say. How, how did God do it so, so quickly? We say, why did God do it so slowly? Hashem could have just said, Yehi Ha'olam. That's it. Yehi Olam. Yehi Or, Yehi Rakia, Yehi, Yehi everything. Yehi Olam, period. Whole world's here. Why, didn't, why did Hashem do that? So we answer the opposite. What is the answer? What is Chazal answer? Line 16. Because the fact that God, it took him 10 efforts to create the world that shows the world is so valuable. And therefore, if the Rishayim don't use the world, they get punished worse. And if the Tzadikim use the world, oh, think of the Sechar they get. Because this is such an amazing world. It didn't just take one, it took t- ten, the effort of God. Kaviyachal, whatever that means. So they say that's why God did it. But now Rav goes one step further. So it took him Asar Mamaros. Why didn't he just do it in one day? The same question Chazal asked, but just ask it again. Why did it take him ten? He could have done it in one. He gives an answer. So why did he do all ten in one day? Why do you have to spread it out over six or seven days? Bishlama line twenty. Asar mamar shlomo mamar echad. Zel miyatav shabur Chazal. Avol gam asar mamar as efshalom av yom echad. Umado ha'itzarech lefazer al preishi sheyamim. Why do you have to scatter the mamaros over six days? Says the Rav Nevenzal. Unbelievable. This is point number one of two from Rav Nevenzal that we appreciate Shabbos with. Says of Nevenzal, if the whole world was created in a day, and then God rested, so the second day was Shabbos, then for the history of the world, every day would be either Erev Shabbos or Shabbos. You can't exist like that. You can't, ex- you can't have a world like that. Every day is Erev Shabbos. Right? We go, okay, this Yantif, Erev Shabbos, Shabbos, we can't handle it. Forget it. The whole world would be Erev Shabbos and Shabbos. The world can't function like that, says of Nevenzal. You have to build up to it. You have to have a whole week and build up to it. We mentioned in the past the beautiful thought of the Chassam Sofer. Chassam Sofer said, you always build up to what's exciting. Right? That is why the Umos Ha'olam, the other nations of the world, they, they have their day of rest at the beginning of the week. Right? Sunday. 
and then they build up to the work. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? They did the work. No, no, we, we have, we, we have our day of rest at the end of the week. That's what we build up to. Shabbos. That's the goal. So we, we, we can't function with the whole world of Arab Shabbos and Shabbos. That's why Kodesh Barak to stretch it out. Because again, we have to parallel and mirror. That's what he says on the bottom. Arab Shabbos for Shabbos. Yehudim lo so for our needs, God could have done it in a day. But for us, for us, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world slower so that we could have a world with six days of work and then a Shabbos. Point one. But then he gets to point two. And that relates to the Menuchas Margoa of Rashi and of Sternbach. What exactly is it that we remember and we represent, and our behavior represents when we rest on Shabbos. And this goes back to the first question that he said. Okay, that's what we dealt with what Chazal asked. But what about what the others say? And that is the famous question, many answers, books have been written on this, and that is the dinosaurs were millions of years ago. The fossils, the trees. The world has to be much, lo- much older than 5,770 years old. How do we reconcile it? Various answers given. He quotes one that he likes. Let's see. He gives a mushal. Gives a mushal. Line 11. Now I'm in source 7. Nitaelat's menu. He quotes this from Rev Yitzchak Rafael Halevi Etzion. Nitaelat's menu. Pasol Shemafasol de Musadam. Somebody who makes a statue. Somebody carves out a statue. Hapasol. And let's not talk about whether that's halakhically allowed. He says. Okay. Hapasol. Pisol de Musadam Ishmonim Shana. He drew a statue of an 80-year-old man. Imsaro levanot, white hair, kmatim befanav, he has wrinkles on his face, fagav kafuf, he has a bent back. Kishasayimus avodato, when he finished his work, hera ditiratola chavirav, he showed everybody the statue. Visholotam, ben kamashanim lodaitchem adamzeh. How old do you think this guy is? How old is this guy that I just created? Yesha amru... Ben Shmonim Shana. Some say he's 80 years old. He's an old man. Ben Yom Echad. He's one day old. He's one day old. Mitzadak, who's right? They're both right. Depends on your perspective. Kulam Sadku. Elo Amru as Gilo Hachazuti Shala Pesel. These said what the statue looks like. He looks like he's representative of an 80-year-old man, ve'ela et giloha amiti. And the other friends, he's one day old because he just created him, created him today. So they're both right. Just like Kamola Rosam and Azariah, Shloshim Yom. You can say this at the Haggadah. I get permission. Shahaya ben Yunchashan Ibavad, Rosam and Azariah, who was 18 years old. So was he 18? Was he 70? Which one? It depends. Inherently, he was 18. He looked like he was 70. It depends. So he says, line 21, Zuhi gama ha'olam. That's the answer we have to give. What does the world look like? Millions. Millions of years. But what's the world really like? Inherently, 5,770 years old. Less than 6,000. Why? It's in a Chazal. The Gemara says in Masechah's Rosh Hashanah, Chazal Hare Amrim, 28, Kol Ma'aseh Breshis Bekol Ma'aseh Nivru. 
The entire world was created as a mature world. What? Everybody was created as babies? A baby tad, a tadpole, a baby rabbit, a baby, uh, a baby ox, a, ba a baby. Adam was a baby? Adam was a baby? No! Everybody agrees that Adam was created as, if you believe in creation, which most of them do, you, Adam was a man. Right? He, he, was, he was created mature. So just like Adam was created mature, and the animals were created mature, says Rav Nevenzal, the world was created mature. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, why? That's beyond us. Why would HaKadosh Baruch Hu create a world that was looked like it was millions of years old? That's, you can't ask the, that's, that's Shabbos afternoon shear, about why. We can't ask the why question always. Right? But, but what, what happened? That's what happened. Just like you build an old statue. Says Haraya, line 20, 32. V'chena on line 231. Adam was not created as a one-year-old. The Medrash says he was like a 20-year-old. Hashem's looking for a shidduch for him on the first day he was created. But if he was a baby, ready to get married? Right? Even in the olden days, we say kids got married young. Not that young. Right? He didn't need a, a wet nurse. He didn't need anybody. Just like man and animals and trees were created already mature, so to the entire world. Says of Devonzal, that's what we are maskier with our behavior on Shabbos. We rest on Shabbos. That's an edus that Hashem created the world. In six days it rested on the seventh, but it's also an edus of how He created the world. Everything that we believe, that the world is 5770, that's all part of our edus. That is menuchas margoa. That's all included in what we do on Shabbos. This edus that we give, that a Kaddish Baruch who created the world, and this is our answer to the Mad'anim. So, the opposite questions. The question of why did it take so long, and why did, how did it take so short? Two ideas. He says, I didn't give it to you. I didn't give it to you, but he says, the age-old question in a footnote. He says, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Obviously, the chicken. Obviously the chicken, he says. In a footnote, he has that on the, on the bottom of the safer. Uh, he says, the chicken came first. Chicken came first. Okay. Shabbos, Shabbos. Good. Weiter. Perek Lamid Beis. That, that's a Dvar Torah, by the way. Any Shabbos of the year. You got it. Any Shabbos of the year. Well, it's Shabbos, so let me... It's a great thought for Devenzal. Have it. There's never an excuse anymore that somebody listening out there will not have a Dvar Torah at a Shabbos table. Forever. Because you have this. That's it. Any Shabbos of the year. And it's interesting and people will find it. The question, that's it. Okay. Thank you, Rav Nevenzal. Okay. Paraglamid Beis, Pasik Yud Zayin. Here we go. So last year we discussed a few Pshatim approaches of the Cheta Egel. We're not going to go into that this year so much. But what about the reaction? So Moshe Rabbeinu turns around and Kodesh tells him you have to leave. Vayishma Pasik Yud Zayin. Lamid Beis Yud Zayin. Vayishma Yehoshua is called Ambareo. Yehoshua hears the Am. Hears the ruckus. Vayomer Moshe. Kol melchama b'machaneh. There's a war going on. Moshe, says Yehoshua. Vayomer and Moshe says, My star pupil, sorry, but you're wrong. Ain kol anos gvura, ve'ain kol anos chalusha. There's no winners and losers that I hear. Kol anos. I just hear screaming. Anochi shomeya. And when they got close... Obviously, the Egel and the Mecholos, 
and Moshe gets very angry. Says the Chafetz Chaim, you know what Moshe Rabbeinu is doing here? Moshe Rabbeinu is giving Tochacha to Yoshua bin Nun about what it takes to be a leader. What does it take to be a leader? Bottom of the page. Moshe Rabbeinu hochiach as Yoshua Talmido Yoshua, you're going to be the next leader of Chal Yisrael? You have to be able to be on the people's wavelength. You have to know what they're at, where they're at, what they're up to, what they're doing. If you're over here, all the way up, you think it's a war? Listen to them. They're dancing around the calf. Moshe Rabbeinu is giving Musr to Yoshua. Al Any rabbi, any teacher has to have his pulse on his balabatim or students. He's got to know where they are. Why are they screaming? Like Moshe Rabbeinu himself tells, tells his brother, Of course, a medrash. Of course, a medrash about when uh, he gives to, the message to Aaron also. And he quotes in the footnotes, the footnotes of the Chavetz Chaim al Torah. He expands on this. Quotes a medrash on the bottom. He says, Managa Eida, after the medrash. Managa Eida, Sarak Leo's Balchush Dak Menadak, a leader of a flock has to be a very insightful person with a clarity of thought that he really knows what's in the kishkis of his congregants, of his students. Right, if if uh, somebody, somebody wants to give a shear, it's just going to go beyond, obviously. Every rav, every teacher has to try to raise up the tzibur and bring them up to the highest of their abilities. But if it's way up, if I'm if I'm totally off, I think it's Melchama. And it's really, I know it's really an Egel, that I'm not doing my job. People don't even realize what the get-together is. Skipping. You can't just look on the outside, on externals. One of my uh, Rebbeim in, uh, in Drush once said, he says the first, he says there are different, uh, different uh, drachim of how to prepare a drasha. So his derach was, he says, first... First, come up with before. Some it's easier always to look in the parsha, find a nice vart, and then relate it. Depends on your shul also. But he always said he says he says I first try to figure out what's in their kishkas. What what do they want? What are they talking about? What's on their minds? What's going on at the at the shalashudas table? And then once I once I figure that out, then I go back to the parsha and find my message from the parsha. That's what Moshe tells Yoshua. So you got you got to be you got to be in tune with what they're doing. You got to get the coal. Got to find the right coal that they're up to. Good. So they go back to the to the Bnei Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu sees them dancing around the Egel. Source Pasuk Yutes. Moshe Aluchos. He throws the Luchos down. And he breaks them under the mountain. 
Famous question, why did Moshe Rabbeinu wait to break the Luchos <coughs> until he got down the mountain? Hashem says, your nation has gone bad, so why don't you just break him at the mountain, come back with nothing and say, look, was it just all for effect? Maybe. Well, for effect. Right? If they see the Luchos and Moshe break them, that, that has a greater Roshem than just like, oh, they'll, 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 Moshe will say, I, I had the Luchos and I broke them. Maybe that's why. But there's another idea that's said by a number of the Bali Musr. I gave it to you again from the Tavadas in source number 10. Because if you're Radaik in the Pasuk, when Moshe Abedo comes back in Pasuk Yutes, when Moshe came close to the camp, and he sees the Egel, there's one more word, umacholos, the circles, the dancing circles. Then it says, Moshe got very angry. Moshe Rabbeinu knew we all sin, that we all have even national problems. But the problem was when he saw the Macholos, when he saw the Simcha that they had in the Avera. We all do Averas, but as long as we feel bad about it, as long as we're upset about it, okay, there's hope. But once he sees the dancing around the Egel, says the Tambadas, Teva Adam, Kashachote, Venichel, Afidu, Bafilu, Baveras, Achamuros, even if somebody does a terrible Avera, Kozman, Sheinu, Misholel, Berisho, as long as I'm not so happy and wonderful, Lo Ibid, Madregaso, I'm not totally gone. There's hope that I'll be back soon. When I'm totally scornful and I and I and I say, "Oh, this is amazing! I'm so happy that I live in a, a, a life without Torah and mitzvahs." When I'm besimcha about it, that's when there's very little hope. That's when there's very little hope, and you got it. You need uh, you need extra. Extra special uh, attention from HaKadosh Baruch Hu to help you out. Says the Tambadas. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't break them. Okay, they didn't have they didn't have era. He comes back and sees the simcha that they had. Says that's when he said, I have to destroy the luchos. The same idea suggested. Shloshim Yom Acharachag. Guess we could talk about by uh, on a thought from the Rabbi Yosef Engel, the Gilyoni Ashas in Mesechaz Megillah. On Dafkid Beis, in Mesechus Megillah, the Gemara says, why were Klai Yisrael uh, in such danger? What did they do wrong that Ham, Hashem let Haman create such a decree? So the Gemara says, because they took part in the party. They took part, imagine, imagine Achashverosh, the non-Jewish king, wearing the tits of the Kohen Gadol, wearing the Choshen and the Ephod, sitting at a party. Everybody's getting drunk. And the party's for six months. The six-month party. 180 days. And you know what? After that, there wasn't enough. Another week. Right? Six months, not enough. Let's have another week. Imagine what kind of society they were living in. And what were the Jews doing? They were there. Give me another drink. Forget Bishop, forget the I mean, but this is... So, they took part in the party. But the Gemara doesn't just say they took part in the party. What does it say? Shenehene misu daso shalach Says the Yosef Engel, source 11. That one word, nana. If they were eating, okay, maybe they were forced to eat. They were citizens of the country. But they had an awe. They enjoyed themselves. That's, that, that, they were chayef clear for that. Mishum, where it's underlined. Da'achila Aleha. Da'achila 
Veraka onish al achila. They shouldn't have had ana. They should have been crying when they did it. They should have been so upset. But instead they got the hana. So it's not just that when we do something wrong, okay, but if we enjoy what we do wrong, so that makes it all the, war, all the worse. That's the Egel, and that's the Purim story. As we know, Mida Tovam Ruba Mimida Puranus, the opposite, it's not just about doing the mitzvah. It's about the simcha that we get when we do the mitzvah. I'm sorry, I didn't put it on the sheet, but it's easy to find. The last Rambam in Hilchas Lulav. The last Rambam in Hilchas Lulav. Says the Rambam. Ha-simcha she-yismach ha-adam ba-asiyas ha-mitzvah u-ba-avas ha-kel she-tzivah The simcha that a person gets when he does a mitzvah. Avoda gedolahi. It's a tremendous avoda. Which means it's not easy. Which means it's not easy. Avoda means it's, it's an avoda. It's not e- always easy to always be besimcha. It's an avoda. But if I if I if I'm not besimcha when I do a mitzvah, I'm doing it because it's a burden. Then Kodesh Baruch Hu is going to recognize it. The only great covenant gadula is simcha in front of Kodesh Baruch Hu. What pasuk would he quote? Which pasuk in Tanakh typifies this? David Amalach. When he dances like crazy in front of the Aaron, when he's coming back to Yerushalayim. Remember, his wife's looking out from the window. Oh, what, is, what is my husband doing? David Amal doesn't care. He does it. And that's what, the, uh, that's, that's what it's about. The Arizal said, When we do a mitzvah, it's, we should be just as happy as if we found treasures of silver and gold. That's how we have to do. When a mitzvah crosses our path, besimcha. It's not just about doing the mitzvah. It's about doing the mitzvah besimcha. We've quoted in the past, but it came up again, so I just gave it to you in source number 12, the thought of Avram Minahar, which is not about all mitzvahs, but at least about Talmud Torah. The Mishnah says in Mesechus Adarim that if I am mudar hana'ah from a city, I'm not allowed to get benefit from a city, I'm not allowed to use the Sifri Torah from that city. I can't learn from that city using the Svar. All the Rishonim there, Nadar Dafib Chas, he asked the question one minute. We have a principle called mitzvos lav lehenos nitnu. Mitzvos are not defined as benefit, pleasure. That's why there's pleasure. So my learning, that's not, that's not pleasure. It's not pleasure. So why should I be able to use the Svarim? That's a mitzvah. Mitzvahs are mitzvahs. Okay, I get schar from Hashem. But mitzvahs lav lehenos nitnu. That's what Rabbi Avram Ahar, one of the less known Rishonim, says on line 5. Mahalo mitzvahi. U mitzvahs lav lehenos nitnu. Why can't you get benefit from the svarim of the city? Says Rabbi Avram Ahar, v'lav kushihi. No. Learning Torah. Even though we just said from the Rambam that all mitzvahs have an element of simcha in it. But Talmud Torah has an even greater level of simcha that is required and demanded. Action mitzvos, other mitzvos have the principle that they are not connected to their hanah. Even if I love matzah, I shouldn't eat matzah because I, I love it. I mean the matzah because I'm doing the mitzvah. And it's not characterized halachically as hanah. End of line 8. Avo mitzvahs limud. 
But Talmud Torah, Shu Inyan Seer Halevi Adias HaMS. But learning Torah is about getting to the truth. The only thing that's eternal in this world is Torah. Is the Dvar Hashem. Look at his beautiful lashon. An Iker part of learning is to enjoy it, to get a geshmak from it. Obviously, we have to learn even if we're, you know, we're not getting the geshmak. Some, some, some gemaris, some are more challenging than others. We have to. It's a commitment. But the goal, the goal isn't to do it. I hate this, but I'm doing it because Hashem said. That's not the point of learning. The point is is to love it. By the way, that's what he says. That's why in Avel is not allowed to learn other things besides Hilchas Avelus. Why? Because in Avel can't be b'simcha. Avel can't be b'simcha. Avel's chayiv in all mitzvahs. All mitzvahs. Why can't he learn? Because Pikudei Hashem Mishar Misamchi Leif. Right? The Torah is about simcha. So Torah specifically, we just generalize it to all the mitzvahs. But that was the problem with the Chet Egel. Chet Egel is because they would not only sinned, but they were happy and they were dancing around their ego. Good. Moving right along. Paraglamid Bayes, Pasik, Chafalf. Lamid Bayes, Chafalf. So Moshe Rabbeinu takes, starts taking care of business. Taking care of business. Takes the ego, he burns it, he gives some to drink to Akla Yisrael, like an Ishasota. And then Moshe turns to Aaron and he says, "What happened? What happened? I leave you. I leave you for forty days, and and everything breaks loose. What 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 happened?" By the Moshe Aaron, what By the way, remember what we mentioned? I actually mentioned it in a daf. With uh, Chur, in the previous stories in Sefer Shmos, Chur was always right with Aaron. By Amalek, Aaron v'Chur. Early Aaron v'Chur, all of a sudden Chur is not there anymore. So Chazal have a Mesorah that they killed him. Gemara and Sanhedrin. They killed, Chur started, tried to start up. Stop, stop, don't do this. And they killed him. That's why no more Chur for the rest of the Torah. So they, they, that's, where, that's where Chazal get it from. So Moshe says to Aaron, what they do to you? That you brought such a hate. So Rashi, Me'asalacha, Rashi, Kama Yisurim Savalta. How much did they torture you? She Yisrucha, how much did they torture you to do this for them? That's Rashi. What did they do to you? Says the Ramban. One second. What did that sound like from Rashi? They tortured you so much until you gave in to them. Says the Ramban. One second. It doesn't matter how much they torture you. It sounds like from Rashi that the shot is that, oh, Aaron, they must have tortured you and therefore... If they tortured you up until the end, up until the end, ah, oh, okay, so you gave in. So the Ramban, what do you mean? They, if they, it's Yahari Valyavar, Savod So what do you mean they, they, they tortured you? They are not Beinai. Ki achet zem en achatoyim she Yahari Galeim v'alo Yavar. Right, so what's, what's going on? Vulai Hamalo came ahadlash basa, what? Is he faulting Aaron? Is he faulting Aaron that he shouldn't, he should have given his life? So the Ramban has to give his own shot. We're not going to do now how this fits into the Ramban's own shot. The Ramban himself holds that it wasn't Avodah Zarah about the Egel. Maybe he's going Rashi Lashitaso. Rashi, you say it was Avodah Zarah, so how could you say this? What does Rashi answer? How could Rashi answer back to the Ramban? The Ramban says, it's Avodah Zarah, it's Yerba Yavor. Right, you have to be killed for it. So the answer could be 
We'll see this later in, uh, oh, did I give it to you? I might have forgotten to give it to you. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky discusses this. The answer could be, was this Mamish, Aaron did Avodah This is Lifnei Iver of Avodah Aaron didn't worship. He just facilitated the worshiping of the rest of Klal Yisrael. And Rashi might answer and say, that's not Yaharik Valyavar. If somebody says to me, bow down to this idol or I'll kill you, I have to give my life. If somebody says to me, convince so-and-so to do a Vodizara or I'm going to kill you, maybe the halacha is, I convince so-and-so. It's Lifnei Iver of Yaharik Valyavar. And that's not Yaharik, it's Lifnei Iver of the big three, of a Vodizara. So if you think about it now, what would the Ramban answer back to that? Maybe the Ramban would say no. Lifnei Iver of the big three is Yaharik Valyavar. Even, not only if somebody says, right, take murder. Somebody says, kill Reuven or I'll kill you, so we have to be killed. What if somebody tells me, convince Reuven to kill Shimon or I'm going to kill you? Is that Yehari Valyavar? So maybe that's the Machlokas here. Rashi might say that Lifneiver of Yehari Valyavar is not Yehari Valyavar. Lifneiver of the big three is not Yehari Valyavar. That's why Aaron Cohen was justified. He suffered. Okay, that's it. Maybe the Ramban holds otherwise. So that is a big discussion because that is actually, we're not going to go into how this fits into the Ramban's own sheet in Masechah Sanhedrin. Got to work it out whether it's, whether it's uh, consistent or not. But either way, this is a machlokas rishonim. Yehareg val, the lifne iver of Yehareg, of a big three averas, Yehareg val yavar. Is it Yehareg val yavar or not? What's the svara behind it? Why should it, I say that I have to give my life for Lifne Iver, I convinced somebody else to do one of the big three. Do I have to give my life or not? Machlok has shown him. Maybe it's Machlok is here, Rashi, in the Ramban. What's the lumdus behind it? So what the Achronim suggests is, how do I understand Lifne Iver? When I violate Lifne Iver, let's say I convince Ruvain, well, we always blame Ruvain, I convince Naftali, I convince Naftali to eat a piece of treif. So I, I violate the Israel of Lifne Iver. So what is my what kind of scorecard do I have in Shemayim? Do I have a Lifne Iver scorecard? I have 365 cards upstairs of Averis. One of them is Lifne Iver. When I convince somebody to do each rave, I get a check on my Lifne Iver on my Lifne Iver card. If I convince somebody to eat to wear shanis, I get a check on my Lifne Iver card. Is that how it works? That's what's called Klali. Lifne Iver is a general Avera. Doesn't matter what your what Avera. It's Lifne Iver. Or do I say no? I only have 364 cards in Shamayim. Lifne Iver of each Avera is really a little bit of that Avera. On my Treif card upstairs, the major section is when I ate Treif, but there's also a little section of Lifne Iver of that Avera. If I convince you to eat Treif, I, I, I get a little bit of a stain of the Avera of Treif. That's called prati. Lifne Iver is specific to each and every Avera. So the Achronim explained maybe that's behind the Machlokas. Maybe this is Rashi and the Ramban. The Machlokas Rishonim. It, if, do I have to give my life for Lifne Iver of the big three? If somebody comes to me and says, convince Ruvain to kill Shimon, do I have to give my life? So if I say Lifne Iver is the first approach that we said, it's a separate Avera. Lifne Iver of everything is just Lifne Iver. 
that I don't have to give my life. It's not one of the big three. And maybe that's the shita of Rashi. But if I say that lifne iver is prati, it's a little bit of that avera. So lifne iver of murder is a little bit of murder. So therefore, maybe I have to give my life in that circumstance of the big three. Again, there are many other examples uh, and nafkaminas related to this, but maybe this is what's behind the discussion of of uh, Rashi and the and the Ramban. Okay, there's two more other two other examples that I that I have in 14 and 15, but uh, I'll leave that for now. We'll move on just to the last two thoughts of the night. Shlomo HaMelech, which case? By the but. You got to work out in Tanakh exactly every uh, every story. There are many there are there are uh, doctoral theses written on uh, how um, Tanakh personalities um, worked uh, worked with uh, various uh, mitzvahs and averes. Okay, let's get to the end of the parsha. End of the parsha, last pasuk. Eric Lamed Dalid, pasuk Lamed Gimel. Lamed Lamed Gimel towards the end of the parsha, right by Maftir. So. Now we're in the post-Egel existence of Klal Yisrael. Vayichal Moshe midaber Moshe finishes, Vayitena panav masveh. Moshe wears a veil. Moshe's wearing a veil. Not only Kalos. Moshe's wearing a veil. Ubevo Moshe levnei Hashem levdaber When Moshe Rabbeinu comes to Hashem to speak to him, Yasir asam masveh say so. He takes off his veil. V'yatsa v'diber al-bedei Yisrael ka'isa sheri tzuveh. But he takes it off. Saw his face that Moshe's face shined. So Moshe had a karanor panav. Moshe Rabbeinu post Egel had a shine on his on his face. Right, everybody saw the shining outside his face. So in the sefer I used last week for the first time, now we use it a second time. Yagdal Torah, but now it made it to the sheets. Right, Yagdal Torah. He quotes there a thought from the Svasamis. Talking about uh, the shiningness on a, uh, of a person. Gemara that many are familiar with. Gemara in Sukkah, Daf Chavches. Shmonim Talmidim Hailel Hillel Azakim. Hillel had 80 students. Gadol Shebekulon, Yonas HaMenuziel. The greatest was Yonas HaMenuziel. And the contrary, Rebbe Yochanan was the smallest. Amr Rebbe Yochanan Menuziel. You know what the Gemara says? Rebbe Yochanan Menuziel. B'shasha Yosheh va'osek b'Torah. Kal of sheporeh alav miad nisraf. When he learned Torah, if a bird would be flying over him. When he learned, the bird would burn up from the from the kedusha of the fire, the fire of Torah that Rebbe Yochanan Menuziel had. Burp, boom! Man, all around him were dead birds. Right? They, maybe they learned their lesson. They stayed. They stayed away. It was unbelievable. Said the Svasemis, if that was the student, what was the godless of the Rebbe? That was the greatest student, Yonas ben Uziel. So what was the godless of Hillel? Hillel was the Rebbe of all of these Talmidim. Amr Svasemis, Umahaisak Dulaso Shal Rabbam Hillel Azakain, Sheof Sheparach Me'alav, Lonisraf. His godless was, he was so holy that birds above him didn't burn up. What does that mean? Shehillel ba'an v'sanuso yachol ahasteras ha'ish bekirbo penima uklapichatz l'chutz l'roklal. He kept the fire in. He was able to keep it sanua. He was able to keep it that nobody was able to see it. Be'er v'himre emes. And the imre emes explains kain ha'yah ha'masveh shal Moshe Rabbeinu avashalom. In that ofan, 
That was what Moshe Rabbeinu's veil. Shehisteris karni arbelibo panima. Hila learned from Moshe Rabbeinu that he kept the fire, the karna part of inside. Sheisha panimi shalolo tia niris bibachutz. Shouldn't just burn everything. Obviously, Rav Sebedi Zia was an amazing person. All that we we can't fathom these levels that we're talking about. But at least the message for us is that when we Moshe Rabbeinu had a shine, Hill had a shine, but he was able to to keep it in. He was able not to negatively impact others, burn up, and that's what the Beis Yisrael says at the bottom. Av shalanu ein bechla malahastir. Whatever, whatever abilities, whatever fire that we could create. Obviously, if it's a fire to inspire people, you know, let it all, let it out. But if it's a fire that is just abilities and talents, just try to keep it. Try to keep it in. They say that when Rav Cook used to dive, he didn't move. They say he just he, like a stone. He says about many gdol. I heard about Rav Cook. He didn't move. Didn't move. He stood there, sort of like a rock. But you just looked at him and you knew there was, there was fire. You knew inside. He didn't move. He was on the level of, of having such deep kavana, but not moving. It was all in. It was all inside. That's, that's the masveh. That's the masveh. And one final point on the, on the Karanar Panov from the Talaleoros. Right, Mehechan, right, says the, um, Says the Melitz uh, <coughs> Yosheri quotes. Says Moshe's face shone when he came down. Why they only shine after the second luchos? Right, when Moshe came down the first time with the first luchos, from from Hakadosh Baruch Hu, he broke the luchos, but it doesn't say his face was shining. It only says his face was shining after the second luchos, the end of the parsha. Weren't the first luchos greater? Ma'aselukim. Says the Melitz Yosher, beautiful. Yes, the first ones came from Hakadosh Baruch Hu, but that's the point. When you work on something and when you schwitz for something, it's more valuable and it it affects you more as a person. When I work for it, if I just get something, it could be even more valuable. But it's not Yigiya Kapecha Kisochel, Ashrecha Vitovlach. When I worked at the Luchos Shnias had something above the Luchos Rishonos. It was Moshe's hard work. It was Psalacha, Shnei Luchos Avanim Karishonim. That's what made him shine, those Luchos. As I said, I just to end with a question on Parshas Para. I'm not going to talk about Parshas Para, but I'll end with a question that Rav Solvechuk deals with in one of his articles on Paraduma and Reflections of the Rav. And he says, Parshas Para, why is. Parshas Chukas, Parshas Paraduma, where it is in the Torah. What's it doing there? So it's, it's, it's unbelievable ha'ara. All of halachas tum of a Torah and sefer vayikra, Tazria mitzora. All of halachas tum of a Torah. All of a sudden we got Chukas stuck in the middle after Korach and before Miriam dies. What's it doing there? Got to see you Shabbos afternoon. That's Hashem. But it's, uh, it's in, the answer is in Reflections of the Rav in his article on Paraduma. If anybody uh, wants me to mention it uh, next week, feel free to, uh, to, uh, to email let me know.